0: cloth house to the second season Leoli for ted lasso this is paul and i am joined with pod clubhouse regular sheila
1: hey thanks for having me back
0: anytime you you're you're almost got every stamp punched on your card to be a full member
1: ooh. ooh do i get what do i get do I, do I get the jacket i was promised i was promised an embroidered jacket way back in the day
0: with that cool kind of satiny, shimmery, whatever uh-huh. that is. Yeah. Like,
1: I don't know, I'm thinking like grease style or something exactly. like that. Exactly,
0: something in a pink lady. Uh.
1: Because I, <laughs> I do believe this is my 100th podcast. Whoa. Whoa, whoa. whoa. My, math, my math is like right around here would be 100. And
0: then you just stop counting at that point. Yeah,
1: yeah, like, yeah.
0: Today we are joined by Scott from the SpyHards
2: podcast. Hello, Scott. Hello, good evening, good afternoon, good morning, wherever you guys are listening. I'm, I've am i only got a small sash for Pod Clubhouse. I've been on about five or six times. I've got a couple of badges, you know, I've got the crafting badge and uh, stuff like that.
1: But, uh, I think you got the fire starter badge too.
2: Yeah, I think that's right. I did taxi drivers, so I suppose I've got like helping the community badge maybe.
1: yeah. Yeah. Are you, you got the You Talking to Me badge.
0: If you're if yes. you're uh, from spy movies, maybe something like a, a gadget badge would be appropriate. Mm. I like it. I like it. Definitely. When we are recording this is what? a Within a week of a James Bond movie coming out. Mm-hmm. Perhaps, perhaps the last James Bond movie. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Um, we are also a couple weeks past Ted Lasso winning a bunch of Emmys. Yes. Quite right. And then that means we also just had the season end about a week ago, something like that. This was uh, the second season, as I mentioned up front. So we have a lot of the same people, a lot of the same settings as the first season. So if you want to know what we felt about those people and those settings, you can go back and listen to our first season's recording. So we're going to pick up with this season, talk about the differences talk about the the general plot give our verdicts and then jump into a spoilery section to go over what we liked and didn't like or otherwise have strong feelings about and i think that's probably going to take up the bulk of this podcast (laughs) all right so the main new character that i am thinking of is dr sharon
1: yes dr sharon fieldstone don't call her doc though
0: no, mm. she would like to keep things very formal.
1: Yeah, she's she's good with her boundaries.
0: <laughs> She'd like to keep them formal, but yeah. uh, that's not how Coach Lasso operates. Um, we did we get some new players of note, or were they just sort of like the chorus um, <laughs> in the background? I
1: don't know. I didn't really get any new players that I really noticed a difference. Probably that sounds really bad. I think but. there were more
0: of the speaking parts, but that didn't amount to like full-on notable personalities, per se, that I that I got. What about you, Scott? There's no one that really jumps out to me. I think they just all had a few more
2: lines each, but the people that were there were also there in the background of season one, so I don't think there's any new
0: players.
1: Just Roy going from active player to pundit. Retired,
0: yeah, well... To re- hmm. retired, really. Well, he had all those. This I thought this season. I mean, the big soccer plot or football, depending on which <laughs> continent you're on. Um, Thank you. Is, is is that they were relegated last season and now they are trying to battle their way back into the Premier League? Is that the right wording <laughs> for, for those things?
2: Well, I mean, for those who've listened to the first season, they'll know I don't know much about football, as so I don't really like it much myself, but I think you got the words right. Yes.
0: Excellent. Good. That's all we're going for is just sounding. I mean, the the words are just spelled out phonetically in front of me. In fact, (laughs) (laughs) I, I have no idea what they mean. But there are so many more interpersonal plots in this one. A lot of role reversals that we can discuss more, more in depth uh, in the in the spoilery section. But all of our character, all of our main characters, go through some big change. Well, maybe not Rebecca so much, but but a lot of them do. A lot of them have something that they're oh, trying to Oh, I have opinions
1: face. about Rebecca. I think she did do a lot of growth this season
0: growth? Well, I mean, she... um...
1: Emotionally.
0: Okay. Expand.
1: Well, last season, she was very closed off. And I mean, we're assuming you've watched season one, right? Please. That you've listened to the Leoli that we did. You know that we loved it and we had all these great opinions. But she was very closed off. She was very much in her shell. And Keely was a very instrumental character in bringing her out and sort of opening up her personality and letting her know that it was okay to feel again because she'd been through this terrible divorce and it was still very fresh and still very active because... There was still newspaper articles being shown with Rupert, her ex-husband, you know, flaunting his wares everywhere. And it was still very raw for her. So I feel that this season we got to see so much more of her personality and she was so much more of a presence as opposed to last season when she kind of came off up until her big bomb with Ted. That she was you know trying to secretly sell the club so she she came full circle last season but i feel like her growth this season has been very much uh, a testament to the relationships that she's developing and increasing the the depth of these relationships with higgins with keely with ted even with her mother we saw this this season so there was a lot there was a lot going on with rebecca and then so there's another big thing we'll put a pin in and we'll talk about later <laughs> about Rebecca. all right (laughs) stay tuned there's your there's your trailer for the spoiler that i didn't do
0: but as i was saying before a lot of the other players go through lots of journeys um ted he's got something big that he's got to figure out this season roy is finding his place as this as as you mentioned earlier he goes from soccer foul-mouthed uh, color man or whatever the, <laughs> the right term is to coach nate is someone will will uh, need to expand on quite a bit later let's just say he has his direction is is decidedly in a negative direction mm-hmm. <laughs> um and, and yeah, Keely has, has, has things going on. It, uh, Jamie. I mean, it's, it's, you, they took what was happening last season and found a way to keep the the plates spinning in mostly satisfactory ways for me. Now in the spoiler section, because I, I just feel like I don't want to say too much about why I thought those plates had a few chips and bumps and bruises on them this time around. But for the most part I'd like to say that they that they kept them spinning in a way that I I liked especially later in the season. What what did you think Scott?
2: Well I I think uh, to use your terminology the the bumps and the bruises and the the, the cuts in the plates is, is actually what makes it more interesting because this whole season has been about you know you said personal growth but also acknowledging weakness And trying to—I mean, maybe not everyone—but trying to grow from that weakness, and I mean that's certainly what was not what I was expecting in season two. I have to say, like this is not a spoiler; it's just my thoughts on it. But it's a seismic shift, I would say, from season one.
0: I think that's fair to say. I mean, it's not like you're going to. Like season one and then watch season two and and be just like uh, gobsmacked by the change. They had to do something to keep you on watching. But do they take the f- formula that worked in season one and just reapply it in season two? Not exactly. No, I don't think so. What about you, Sheila?
1: I think they were pretty gutsy in taking the direction that they took this season because it left a lot of people... Sitting there with their mouths open, going, hmm, I didn't expect that from this show because last season, season one, came out in the midst of the the lockdown, the pandemic around the world, really, and it was this breakout hit of just like this feel good. Have you watched Ted Lasso? was like the, the text that was going around for days. So when the season season two was announced, you know, I think like a week after season one was finished last year. Uh, So there was a lot of people getting ready for this and gearing up for this. And then I think the investment that we had in the characters for season one made you tune in for season two. And then the storyline for me was really what hooked me. They were developing these characters in such a meaningful way that it made you want to see what happened next it was just it was for me it was very enthralling very engrossing and i was so mad that this was a one a week drop because i was just like i need the next one i need the next one because of how deep they went with some of these characters and the journey that paul that you talked about that these people went on i was very much here for it and then in the middle of the season to have the emmys from last year announced and ted lasso winning just scores of, of of awards in so many different categories for acting for ensemble series and whatnot It was all like the right soup at the right time, but it was a gutsy move because the themes that they deal with to get that character development, it kind of rocked a lot of people. There was a lot of pushback.
0: Well, in order to get any growth, you have to start somewhere. You know, some people started from from a lower character ebb, you know, during last season, some uh, built up at the end of last season and needed to in order to to go somewhere they needed to go down in this season and that definitely did happen for some of these characters do you guys want to just talk about it now just just get our verdicts out there so we can quit beating around the bush and yes. and just just talk <laughs> about this
1: yes 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 let's all,
0: do it let's do it all right scott then what what would you recommend to your tv watching friends did you love it leave it somewhere between season two ted lasso
2: Ultimately, I loved it. If you'd asked me halfway through the season, I might have said, maybe not. (laughs) That's fair enough. Uh, But when you complete the story, I think it is worth the time you put into it. But then I think there's an argument there to say, maybe you shouldn't make it that inaccessible at times, but that's me.
1: I definitely feel it's a love it. There's so much in the story that, is relatable. No, you don't have to be a sports fan in order to love. I tell this to people all the time. I'm like, you don't have to like sports in order to love this show because mm-hmm. it, the sports is really kind of secondary. So I think this has broad appeal, especially given a lot of the the challenges that people are going through in the last 18 months or so. You know, also I'm just gonna you know sideline this saying too that this series was being dropped as the Olympics were happening, just to you know kind of put a pin in that. There were some highlights from the Olympics that paralleled some of the themes in this show that I feel are very universal. I feel that like there's a, a big spotlight being shown on the issues and the themes that were being brought up this season. So I think this has massive appeal and I, you know, just not for anything, but like as the world was burning a few months ago, people <laughs> were sending me memes. they like, but are you watching Ted Lasso? It's like the, you know, on the left, like the world is burning and, you know, Afghanistan and whatever else is happening. But then you also have, like, on the right-hand side, like, Ted Lasso's Big Smile. But are you watching Ted Lasso? You know, as something it was, I, as a bomb or a remedy for some of the negativity in the world. Even though they were dealing with these really heavy themes, it's still a definite love it for me.
0: I'm with Scott in that there were things that we're going to mention in, in a minute that took the story around the two-thirds mark and kind of applied the brakes for me. It took a little effort to—, to for me to put the gas back on and, and finish up. But once I did, I was like, okay, now I need to see what comes next in season three. But, there was a moment there when it was like, oh, I don't know, y'all watch, you know, Family Guy. <laughs> <laughs> Ultimately, I would, I would recommend it to people, but I probably would have a couple of caveats for them going in. So I would also score to love it. Not as, as cleanly as my first season, I don't think. And let's get into why. So if you, <laughs> if you haven't <laughs> watched uh, season two yet and you're just curious about our votes, then now you have them. But now we're going to talk about our favorite parts, our least favorite parts and um, what drove our ultimate scores. I think the reason why
2: uh, to sort of fill in why I might not have loved it at the start is because it took a chance and it decided to stop doing the happy, happy, joy, joy song every episode and deal with some of the repercussions of, you know, being happy all the time and what that takes and what that does to a man. And we're talking We're talking specifically Ted at this point, let alone the rest of the cast. I I wasn't expecting this mental health themed season, which really, I think, is the the nitty gritty of it all. Mm -hmm. Um, And and I think it really pushes some of our characters that we've come to love in weird directions. Ted being the first one. We're in spoiler section now. He has a a mental breakdown several times throughout the season. And that's not the guy we came to... I say love in season one. It is the guy because people have have faults but it's just not something I expected.
0: They drove his story with this self-discovery that they telegraphed only the slightest amount in the first season. You know, there's that moment in that I can think of in the hotel where he, where he yells at somebody and it's out of character for him and he, and he apologizes but we had never seen him raise his voice at anybody before that and that was kind of it.
1: And he had well he had a little panic attack. He had a little moment. Rebecca right we, found at him,
0: the right? Uh, at the Rebecca karaoke. was singing. Yeah. Yes. Yes. The
1: karaoke. Yes.
0: That's exactly right. That's true. But but just little tidbits leading up to this season, then then ultimately it builds to several episodes and and manifesting in that game where he can't he can't hide it anymore. So Sheila, what did you think about that direction with taking? Ted, who had been, you know, sort of a lighthearted character in season one, then adding this mental health element to his story as as a necessary piece for him to, to move on.
1: It, it was a risk because this was definitely not the season that we came to know everybody last season. This was definitely a very different direction. But it also is sort of the culmination of, you know, to echo what Scott said, but just to take it a little bit further, is that Ted is so happy all the time and to understand now a little bit more of like where he gets it from and what drives him to be the way that he is was a revelation. And also the fact that you cannot be that happy and have gone through the big upheavals that he's gone through and not have some blowback. He got divorced. He's living in another continent. He's doing a a different job altogether than what he was doing before. These are major life events that, Definitely take a toll on on a person. You know, there's like five big stressors. It's like having a baby, getting married, getting divorced, moving, changing jobs. Like those are the top five like big life stressors and, and death. And, you know, that would be number six. But But you don't have to
0: worry about anything after
1: that. Exactly. But, you know, but like dealing with that, dealing with loss, you know, any type of like, you know, anytime you have a change like that where you move or you change jobs, like there's loss involved. And that takes a lot out of a person. It's a very stressful time. That's often when things start to fall apart for people in terms of their relationships. So I took a step back from this season because I watched it like week by week and I was just not enjoying it the same way. And what I did over the, like, we had a long weekend this past weekend here. I just binged it all on Sunday it was a rainy day here and I watched it one to twelve quite a time investment but you know I was better for it because it it changed the way that I saw it because I didn't have to wait and to have to like process everything like I knew what to look for now and there were some revelations that were apparent in in binging it that way and it kind of made it better for me also I was surprised that it went from 8 to 12 episodes
2: I do have a little information on that if it helps
1: oh.
0: well go
2: ahead Uh, And it actually might help frame my own problem a little bit. I I was reading an interview with Brendan Hunt, who's one of the writers of the show. He plays Coach Beard on the show. And in season one, so they had 10 episodes and the first three episodes all dropped at the same time. And that was the plan going into season two. They had written all the first three episodes as kind of like a, a small little movie. But then, because it did so well and it was so highly regarded, Apple said, hey, we want 12 episodes uh, and we want it released weekly. So we want to sort of stagger it out. So the episodes were broken down to three instead of you know one sort of main story over three episodes. And so it was a bit uh, discombobulating for people because the story doesn't feel like it ends on the first episode. It kind of ends on the third one of that that opening story. And then also the other two episodes they added, the Christmas one and the Coach Beard's Day Out episode, they didn't want to write anything, additional story. They decided to have two random episodes put in that don't influence the, the
0: season. In TV world, we call those bottle episodes because they just exist in and of themselves. And they don't affect anything outside themselves.
1: It's like a little message in a bottle.
0: Exactly, or ship in a bottle. <laughs> yeah. and I And that, Scott, is what... Through the breaks on the on the season for me was that kind of disjointed, you know, misadventure with with Coach Beard after that big loss. I didn't mind the Christmas episode, but as I'm watching it, and we're getting halfway through it, and there's like no game and there's nothing. I'm I'm thinking like, what's happening here? I, I understand that this is going to make people happy, but this is not <laughs> moving the plot forward at all, you know. And but then the the Beard episode, uh, Caroline and I were talking about it. Did you ever watch The American Office, Scott? Yeah. Yeah. All right. What about you, Sheila? Yeah. I, I drew a, a, a parallel. I said, what if they had done a Creed's Day Out episode? Would that have been a very popular episode? Or w- or were you just happy knowing Creed was just freaking weird? And that was about it. That was about all you really needed to know about Creed. He would just come in, say some weird stuff, and that was it. I, I was kind of fine assuming that Beard... There was a reason he was he was kind of sleepy for work but always showed up for work like he has this very workmanlike a- approach to work but I but the way that he was on again off again with women and and his weird kind of hobbies I just assumed that he had these misadventures at night and then just showed up for work the next day like a like a good you know blue collar minded kind of kind of guy but I didn't necessarily need to see it what about you guys
2: Well, this is like, I I always call this the Han Solo problem. You know, Han Solo was a great character in the uh, original films. And then they did Solo, the movie. And you find out how the sausage is made, as the saying goes. And I didn't need to know that. I don't need to know how Solo, uh, Han Solo became, you know, how he got his name. It's not interesting to me. And, you know, learning where he gets the dice from, I don't care. And now I I prefer the mystery. And I will also say about the Coach Beard episode, it is not exactly a shot-for-shot remake, but it is a rather big homage to a Martin Scorsese film called After Hours. It's basically one guy's adventure in, I think it's New York, over the span of a night. Uh, He meets a woman, played by Linda Fiorentino, I believe that sounds right in my head yep and it's it's very weird there's a dance floor scene as well there's some of the beats you get from the episode you get in in the film and it's a weird film it's one of scorsese's earlier pieces
0: that's interesting especially knowing that brandon hunt is one of the writers and that they needed to address these new episodes in a way that wasn't going to touch the rest of the plot so it's almost like he volunteered you can imagine that writing room is like well i've got an idea for beard
2: check out the scorsese film
1: yeah <laughs> I was watching this late at night one night. and I've been inspired. The whole Beard and Jane arc, I really could have done without. I love Coach Beard. I love the fact that he had more speaking lines this season. But that whole arc, now it makes sense. They need a time filler. But the entire Jane Beard thing, I just did not need. And the Beard after hours, So I was just, eh. <laughs> It, it didn't do anything for me, it didn't move anything along. It was entertaining to watch, but it was weird.
0: Knowing that about that and finding that movie, especially the interlude with the woman that will sew his pants but then the <laughs> boyfriend shows up, to see that same kind of beat possibly you know, the inspiration for that might be might be kinda of interesting and, and, and worth worth seeking out. Does that exist in the movie? Something similar enough that you could you could draw a parallel?
2: The dude coming to the rescue
0: the big guy no no i mean his origin that he is somehow involved with this woman that that the main character goes off with for some reason and this it's because she'll sew his pants back together uh
2: i think so I, it has been a long time since i've seen the film and i saw the episode i was like why do i know this and i had to do research to remind myself <laughs> that the scorsese film
0: you know sometimes there's those uh, those early career movies for for people that get a lot better you're like well i've seen it once i've done my due diligence i don't need to see it again <laughs> <laughs> The first season, I liked the balance that it had with the the soccer kind of, not that they showed us that much soccer, but they did show us more like of the locker room dynamic and kind of the stress of, of will they, won't they, and will the team gel, and et cetera, et cetera. It's like they needed to remove a lot of that to make room for the character development that they put into this season, and I kind of missed it. It's not that I needed it to be like heavy, you know, teach me about European football... But still, that seems to be like the, the not the backbone exactly, but it, it's 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 an essential element of the of the show, and it largely wasn't there this season.
2: I, I missed it. I, I quite enjoyed the um, the ups and downs of winning and losing. Not that I particularly care about football, as I said, but I felt like it was an integral part of the show. Seeing them go through the trials and tribulations of having to try and stay up in the first season, and and then you know in, in this one they start off and they, they're on a I don't think a seven game draw streak and then by the end of the season they get promoted spoilers so I I I never you don't see them like pick up the pace and start winning you don't no. really see that turnaround
1: you only see them win like two games well they we, they win one outright and then the last one is what the draw that brings them back into promotion yeah
2: yeah another yeah, so, draw
1: yeah <laughs> I suddenly have a hankering for Thai food I don't know
0: <laughs> Thai food that's funny that was uh, a
1: joke they made, I think, in, like, episode one. The other one, one of the opposing clubs sends them a bunch of Thai food, and they're like, oh, Thai food, get it, Thai, draw. Yeah,
0: got mm-hmm. it. <laughs> the uh, rebuilding of, of Jamie Tartt, how about that?
2: I loved it until the whole love story came around.
0: The unrequited Keeley love?
2: Yeah, it, although I, I don't know if it's, it's- like taken back by the end of the season you, maybe you guys got a different perspective on it than i do but i i love the idea of rebuilding him up and humbling him you know by the end of the season he picks up the soldier and you know he's he's on the course for being a good guy and then he does this uh, you know love island reality tv show and everyone finds out he's a bit of a a bit of a bad guy um <laughs> and then gets fired by manchester city which uh, fair enough he did just walk out mid-season
0: yeah, so they needed to remind us that, that, it, that it takes time to quit being uh, a douchebag.
1: I think the word is twat.
0: Yeah, I was going to say. Um, <laughs> I wasn't sure what swears would like on here, so I had some <laughs> words lined up, but <laughs> I didn't want to say them.
1: We just got explicit. You're welcome.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah. But I think that's the right word. and <laughs> <laughs> The love part is actually with, the way that it ends with, with Roy and Keeley makes me wonder if Keeley's going to be okay <laughs> while, yeah, exactly, <laughs> while Roy goes on his first vacation.
2: It made me wonder if she's still going to be here in season three. Mm. Uh, I've seen tweets from her that she will be, but... it makes you feel like she's leaving
1: definitely the Roy Keeley arc for me felt like it was ending the music every time in the final episode of the season every time that they were together it was this somber it was meant to be sweet sounding but it was very somber and it was just giving me just undertones of like they're not gonna make it
2: I will remember you
1: (laughs) (laughs) that was my prom song
2: (laughs) oh no oh
0: no (laughs) I just
1: dated myself. That's how old I am.
0: <laughs> Speaking of Roy, what did you think about his his ups and downs this season, Sheila?
1: Can I tell you, I've been growling a lot more since watching this season. When I'm getting mad at my son, I'm like, before I think of my words to say to him. Uh, he's eight, so just so you know that I, mm. I growl with, you know, he's about Phoebe's age. I, I really enjoyed how Roy expanded his his feeling. He, he talked about his feeling as singular uh, at one point this season. I like the fact that he allowed Keely to see him and he allowed himself to be vulnerable around her and in that he became so much of a better coach and uncle and boyfriend and all of the different roles that he played i mean he was a terrible pundit he knew it and he just walked out so there was no growth to be had there other than knowing that this is not what he wanted to do his self-discovery his his connection to to something greater than himself and greater than his his family was a parent here and i really enjoy i think his growth was the most surprising for me in, in such a nice way like it was really it was really fun to watch him because like you could just see him thinking things through and thinking that there's a different way for me to handle this and, and just you talking about the stuff with keely with jamie and jamie making this revelation roy handles it in a very adult on roy like way there's this influence from Possibly from Ted, possibly from Keely. It might be this this grand mixture of things that just makes him into this more complicated character. Like he, I felt he was very simple before, not simple, and then like you know, intelligence wise, but he was very much a black and white character in terms of his feelings. And now we've got a little bit of a murkier situation here because he's he's not reacting in the season one Roy Kent kind of a way, where he would just headbutt things.
0: The the writers seem to set up uh, several different traps for the audience to. Think that Roy was going to go one way, and then show you know better discretion than than he might have as a younger man. I mean, just one year younger, really. But but <laughs> but but, uh, <laughs> but, but this yeah. Is TV
1: magic.
0: I, you're right. I know. What, I know what you're talking about. Though there there were several little like, well, he's he's going to dig in his heels on this one, but then he then he came out and was like, no, I, okay, I can do better than that. He just kept growing. Every every episode with little little chances like that that he got from Keeley, from the coaching staff, from wh- whomever. What about Rebecca and her romantic interests this this season? Did you see any of that coming with that character?
2: I was <laughs> genuinely surprised. It was Sam, the person she was she was texting on that dating app. I, I'm not sure I would agree with you, Sheila, that she had the best of arcs, but. I don't know. It shouldn't jump out at me. I thought she she showed that she could trust people. I get that in season one. But then she doesn't trust Sam. The ultimate show, you know, sign that she's able to give herself over to love and she can't make that leap. So I don't know whether she's actually grown that much.
0: It's a good call. The the dating app part of it seemed perhaps like I just, you know, been married a very long time. So I don't know anything about this dating app kind of kind of universe. But I don't know if I'm – I assume if she divorced Rupert and owns this football club, she is at least a millionaire, right?
1: Yeah,
2: I would say so. Has to be. Has to be.
0: In this universe that you and I live in, do we – do our millionaires use – common dating apps to find folks or or do they have like millionaire dating apps i i don't know
1: (laughs) i don't know if if there is a millionaire dating app can i get on it (laughs) wait don't don't have my husband listen to this
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's funny well they have dating apps for farmers why not millionaires yeah there's like
1: christiansingles.com and exactly
2: they probably do exist we're just none of us are rich enough to know it's there
1: right
0: one of those if you have to invite only you know
1: yeah yeah if you have to ask you're not part of the
0: it's not for you
1: so i just wanted to just highlight just what i liked about rebecca not saying that she had the most transformative arc but i definitely saw a lot better of her this season than last season last season like i said i Mm -hmm. I thought she was very closed off and then like the, the part with sam about like not trusting him it's because she's afraid of getting hurt again because she's still not over rupert because you, you know she sees him at her father's funeral and it still stinks i i understood what she said and that you know you're so wonderful but you could hurt me because she's afraid to like open herself up but the fact that she's even gotten to the point that i think that she could say that that is not a season one Rebecca statement at all so i liked where they took her she's got more to go she's you know she's definitely not banter material just yet but she she suck her toe in the water and it wasn't as terrible as she thought it was. And she even makes that admission to her mother that being alone was awful in the beginning, but now it's starting to be quite wonderful. So she's allowing herself to to feel again, to enjoy the soft and fuzzy, the warm and fuzzy moments where I think that she was very closed off before.
0: Well, she had that malignancy to her presence in the first season where she was trying to, to hurt Rupert. By destroying this team, making decisions that would hurt the team, that sorts of stuff, and her 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 better nature won out, and so this season uh, we finally got to see, you know, why she's she's actually kind of a catch as as people go. She is uh, interesting and, and funny and, and, and fairly positive to be around, but it's been so long since she's been uh, – she may have never actually been an adult out on her own in the world. So she's still figuring out how to manage those kind of relationships without the shadow of, of Rupert.
1: And the weariness of scandal. I mean, she even says it to, to um, the CEO of Dubai Air. You know, he asks her for a favor. and She goes, well, as long as it's nothing scandalous. So I think that she's very much still has her guard up, you know, trying to avoid any of those types of entanglements. But also, I think one of the things that changed in her, too, between season one and season two is that in season one, it was his club. And then once she started getting to know the people, Higgins, Keeley the players as she had less well she had more interaction with them this season than last season but that all started and then it's very hard to ruin people's lives when you start to understand who they are and like their personality and spend time with them it's very hard to to follow through with what her plan was and I feel that that was her starting to open herself up like it, it started with just the conversations with Higgins and it grew from there Says biscuits can win everybody over <laughs>
2: I suppose I'm just leaning on the relationship side of things. But you're right. She has come a long way. I mean, she was our antagonist in season one, at least for maybe the first few episodes. Now she's one of the most loved characters. You look forward to seeing her time every episode. That's a big change.
1: One thing I'll say about the Christmas episode, I know that we said it was it was a bottle. The warmth that came out of that episode, when Higgins, you know, had said that he does this every year, sort of, you know, I, I call it the Island of Misfit Toys. Like, if you have nowhere to go, you can always come to my house. So that was like the Higgins home. It was like, yeah, we only get like two players. And this year, everybody who was from out of country showed up. And I feel like that is a direct correlation to the atmosphere that Ted really promotes This willingness to go the extra mile for your teammates and and everyone shows up and they all bring a big dish and you know they're not worried about food they're worried about seating right so I think that this is a real the, the Christmas episode was a real way to highlight how far the team has come whereas in season one, you know, you have very much these little islands of themselves, really. Now you have everybody looking forward to dining with each other, and then at one point, I think Sam actually calls it the teen Christmas party, like it was a given. Um, it was, it, it was on the second watch when I was binging it on Sunday that I, I got that little, that little tidbit, and then there's like that love actually scene at the Christmas episode. Yes. I was just like, oh, I love it. Sorry, <laughs> that's the S student coming out. <laughs> And it was Roy's idea. So, like, that to me it was just like, oh, Roy, you've are you come a long way, buddy.
0: <laughs> He's still got to growl, at least, though.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. It's Roy.
0: Somehow, when I was watching first season, I was thinking that there may be, like, a long game for Rebecca and Ted possibly coupling up at some point. That doesn't seem like it's in the cards now.
1: That's actually who I thought she was bantering with. Yeah. If same. I had
0: a guess. Sam's an interesting choice in terms of creating interest, creating drama, you know, age difference and country of origin difference and other assorted differences in there that complicate things for...
1: Boston employee.
0: <laughs> yeah. Boston employee. That That's also one that, that can't be ignored. Uh, there, I want to finish with Nate, the not-so-great... <laughs> This uh, is the big one. This is the big one. Th- this
1: is the time for the Roy ken growl. Uh.
0: But I want to make sure we gave Ted everything we can. Oh, that was
1: good, Scott.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. My my other half is a big fan of Brett Goldstein and his podcast, so
0: um, yeah, it, it wouldn't be the first time I've been asked to do it. <laughs> that's funny. Uh,
1: that's
0: fantastic. It's it's practiced. Do we have anything left that we want to say about Ted? Maybe his relationship with Dr. Sharon or anything about his arc overall in this season that we've left unsaid up to this point.
1: Well, just the one thing I wanted to put – I had put a pin in before was that this was – these episodes where he was having, I think the episode that he had the break, the panic attack and ran off the field, was the same week as the Olympics were happening. And Simone Biles, she removed herself from competition because of hmm. anxiety, right? She had something that the gymnasts called the twisties, where it, you literally forget how to do your flips and, you, and your stuff in the air that takes all this mental concentration. So this was coming out at the same time. And she got a lot of blowback, too, because this is your big moment, This you only get this shot once every four years, five years if you're in a pandemic mode. And she just said like, I just needed to take a step back, this was my mental health and I needed to do this for me. The, the timing of it couldn't have been better when Ted was having his moment and confronting us with his struggles, his demons, then learning where his sort of snappy peppy demeanor comes from is a direct correlation to this awful trauma in his life. I think this was the right time head this on because people fell in love with them so much last year when we needed we needed a positive happy hero to latch on to in 2020 that that awful year that it was so having ted go through this is is almost like his own catharsis and and explaining that it's okay to have trauma and it's okay to talk about it and he is so Reluctant to do it, but ultimately he feels better in the end, and I think that's really a message about mental health and seeking out help for when you need it.
2: I, I will just chip in with Ted. I think when I think about Ted, it, it kind of encapsulates my thoughts on the season. Uh, I am glad they took a punt on this on this mental health sh- angle because I don't see a point in having Jason Sudeikis on this show if you are not going to try and push the envelope. Not to say you know he is uh, a, a world-class actor or anything like that, although he has won many awards, of course, but um, I, I just feel like you talk about, say, uh, to spin it off slightly, but you know, James Bond, as you mentioned, just came out recently. Daniel Craig doesn't want to do these films unless he's doing something differently in the films. And I think Jason's applying the same theory to this. Why come back for season two if I'm just going to be the happy-go-lucky Ted again? Let's do something different. Let's try and, you know, spread a message. And if mental health was their choice, that's their choice. And I think that it was for the betterment of the show in the end.
0: As another pop culture parallel that's quite a bit less serious, it, it reminded me of Ned Flanders a little bit from The Simpsons.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm. There are a couple episodes where they try to explain why Ned is the way he is, not necessarily holy, but just constantly positive. And, you know, there's silly reasons, but they do come down to parents. <laughs> they're, they, his parents don't do what, what Ted's did, but still it does come down to, to parents and it results in someone that's very much like Ned and Ted. Interesting how their names rhyme. Mm. You know, I was just thinking about it. In the second season, Ted only learned marginally more about European football than he knew when he started the job makes me wonder if he actually knew American football <laughs> <laughs> you know because he says he just likes to coach he surrounds himself with people that do know what they're doing with the game part and he, but he enjoys the, the leading and the molding minds and the
1: camaraderie and,
0: well. yeah all that yeah. part of it that part of coaching is where he seems to excel but the game part of it seems kind of incidental to those other parts for him
1: That's interesting because coach Beard is definitely like the expert on the technicalities, but then he brings in a Nate in season one. He recognizes the talent there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm still talking about him past tense. Like when I talk about him in current tense, it's going to be a very different tone of voice, but um, no, he latches onto Nate very early and hears what Nate has to say and recognizes that he has this expertise that he can leverage. Not in a bad way, but I think, I think you have a point there, Paul. Because he still doesn't know the offside rule. Not that I know it, but I figure in a year he would have learned the offside rule. Don't ask me. I don't know. I wasn't going <laughs> to.
0: I remember playing soccer as a kid and just the most random events seemed to seem to cause the, the ref to blow the whistle for offsides.
1: I feel like offside is like a balk in baseball. It's like you only know it when you see it. like that's what Ted says about it like it's like pornography it's like you know when you see it
0: (laughs) right or the uh how the fields are different sizes or pitches if you will this is the loosiest goosiest game
1: (laughs) (laughs) oh right when they go to Wembley and it's a bigger just one little fun factoid about Jason Sudeikis he mentions that when Rebecca tells him that her and Sam had this torrid affair and he says that Sam and Rebecca is his favorite on-screen couple
0: Ah, nice catch.
1: From Cheers, mm-hmm. his uncle is George Wendt, who um, plays Noam. Norm. Norm Peterson, yeah. exactly. So yeah, so I just thought that was an interesting little Easter egg. So
0: Good good catch.
1: Uh, that's what you pay me the big bucks for. That's why I'm getting that jacket.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'll give you two stamps on your card this week, yes. <laughs> I guess that does, I mean, there are a couple other incidental characters, you know, Don, Danny Rojas has uh, he gets the yips. You know, Sam uh, is probably going to be much more important come season three as both player and involved with Rebecca. Poor Trent Krim, the independent.
1: No, he's Trent Krim, independent.
0: <laughs> I really enjoyed that moment though, the the texting and 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 his admission. Uh, of who sold him out, who, who who his Fredo was, if you will. Because I always thought Trent was a pretty straight shooter anyway. And, uh, you know, it's nice to be right <laughs> on, 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 on a character. I don't know what the future holds, holds for Trent, but I think he'll land on his feet.
1: I wouldn't be surprised if he comes working for the club.
0: Oh, he's not a very good journalist. We're giving up sources, you mean? Yeah, that's like rule one.
1: But he also outed himself, right? So his own journalistic integrity came through in in his own firing because he revealed that he revealed the source. But if Keely's going into business for herself, I feel like that's a nice opening for somebody like Trent to maybe slide in. I just don't know what he would do to the dynamic or the vibe, the vibe, the Trent Crim vibe.
0: It wouldn't have the same energy as Keely. That's... (laughs) (laughs) That's for sure. That's for sure. Your intuition about Keely and her actress Juno Temple being in and out of the show next year might be good. I mean, in the intervening weeks and months between season one and season two, I noticed Juno Temple was in like at least three of the things that I watched, which makes her a pretty busy actress. So you never know.
1: It would make sense that she would be sort of sidelined a little bit. It'd
0: be a shame. She's one thing filming and two things in pre-production set for 2022 oh
1: so she's gonna be pretty busy
2: i'm just looking at a tweet from her now saying i can't wait for season three but i don't know what that means
0: it'd be a loss to the show i would say it could cause things in roy's life to where where things had been kind of tying up with a bow things could become unraveled again that would make some good tv it's
2: okay they brought that teacher
0: in. that there's the there's the Mr. teacher Bowling, right? that inspires the naked drawings from phoebe is that what we, is that what we were supposed to get from that? Because he was looking at the the drawings at the same time that she was kind of stretching out and hanging yeah. up things. Oh, yeah. I didn't get that, but yeah, that makes sense actually. Or she's just got sort of a pornographic memory, as they say. <laughs> That's sort of like a uncle joke there. <laughs> so we've said everybody that pretty much matters, but we're down to to Nate does his heel turn feel earned or fast or or was it building from last season what, what do you guys think
2: i don't know where i come down on this uh, i really don't i don't like seeing nate completely change like this i but i also like character growth but this is the one of all the changes this season that feels so far out of the left field It's almost like he's a completely different person this season. And that's the bit that made me kind of rub up against it. Um, Whereas you could see maybe Roy Kent becoming a bad guy. He's got an edge. Um, You could see uh, Jamie Tart being a bad guy. He kind of already was. But little Nate, our little guy with the plan, I I didn't see that coming at all.
0: When he started shitting on the new equipment manager whose whose job he had had just a year before that mm. that felt false to me that Nate would be that kind of guy that would get just a an ounce of power and and feel like he needed to flex it on the on the weakest link of the chain which would be the new him basically Um, Maybe I just don't understand the way football clubs work, and that's just how you do (laughs) with the new equipment guy. But it still made me sad to see that that's where he went.
1: It was out of character for who we learned Nate was in season one, but I, I also think that Nate is the kind of person who often gets looked over. We see him so much more this season with his family and the interaction between him and his father especially, where he's made to feel very small and very inadequate. And there were moments... Like with Will, his um, the the equipment manager who replaced him when he got promoted, that he you know basically shit on him, and then he looks very scandalized when Roy comes to join the team in this this way of hip, him being this this person who's got a personality. He's very meek. He's very mild. It wasn't surprising to me, like that this type of a personality would try to become more assertive. But it was kind of shocking to me the direction in which he took this assertion. He, he took it in a very malignant, very offensive kind of a way. The spitting, the aggression that he was showing to everyone but his father. It was very off-putting. And the, the physical transformation of him through the season two, I don't know if you guys picked up on that, with his hair.
0: I did, that his black hair turned white by the end.
1: Yeah, so there was this, like, physical transformation as well as his sort of personality transformation. It wasn't shocking to me that that this type of a person would become this, but just how far he went was shocking to me and it just any time since Trent Krim said the uh <laughs> said the the newspaper article I was like fucking date every time <laughs> he come on the screen. It it angered me in a way, but it set up season three so well, I feel because now he's got all the secrets and he's feeling very maligned and he's feeling very much empowered now by Rupert because he's basically I don't know if he has the coaching job, um, but he's definitely on the squad of coaches.
2: And I'd say that the show in season three now has a, a quote-unquote big bad. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Which it's never really had before. You could say Rupert was, but he was so uh, you know, so uh, infrequently on the show that it was kind of hard to have him as this figurehead of evil.
0: And he was just sort of passively evil about it, almost careless about it. He could do evil, he could do not. It doesn't matter to him that much. Nate feels like he's actively going to try to stick it to Ted. For, you know, basically using up one of the uh, available coaching positions in the world as someone who who he feels doesn't deserve it at all. And in looking at several of the reasons for the character journeys this season, I thought maybe a, a subtitle for season two could be Daddy Issues.
1: Oh, hell yeah.
0: We have uh, Ted with his father. Rebecca was not a big fan of her dad. Jamie Tart. We met his dad, and he mm. wasn't great. <laughs> That's sort of an uh, understatement. Roy, who is in some ways filling in as a dad for for Phoebe, but also possibly, even though he he's not much older than him, he's I think there's some father type figure stuff there with Jamie Tart.
1: Yeah, definitely. I'll support that with Roy and yeah, Jamie. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And like you mentioned, Nate's dad is sort of a dick. This whole character turn is is probably fueled by wa- just, just wanting to be noticed by his dad. Sam makes decisions based on his dad's input heavily. Man, what do these dads do?
1: I don't know. It's not a really good showing of dads, but you know, there, there are plenty of dads out there that are good. And I will say Sam's dad is one of those really good dads. He challenges his son, but he lets him make up his own mind. And we see that with the protests in the beginning, which I thought was just such a wonderful way to like have Sam get a voice and get a foothold this season. And the fact that his whole team supported him and it was Jamie that sort of led that charge of, you know, well, we're we're one team. We wear the same kit, yeah, you know. That was very that was very good way to get Sam off and running this season. Later on, when he's being courted back to Africa to by Edwin Okufu, his father tells him, you know, put put it out to the universe, look for a sign, basically saying, You need to make up your own mind, but you have my support. I thought that was a really good way to end the season on a positive dad note <laughs> because everyone else was just a piece of shit. <laughs>
2: and the team's dad is still dealing with his own issues
1: his own daddy issues yeah
0: it's the sort of thing like when you're when you're told to go and watch Ted Lasso cuz it's funny or whatever you don't see this amount of parental issues father issues cropping up as as a potential source of drama and 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 character growth as as you know a possible but there it is it's it's all it's all there and they're all things that actually drive people that that happen to people none of it is is like too over the top really
1: no it's it's really this story about a bunch of people who are broken in different ways who come together who say we're no strangers to love you know the rules and so do i a full commitment's what i'm thinking of you wouldn't get this from any other guy <laughs>
2: The, the pull to go into song there was very tough. I almost um, burst out. i hoping someone would go
1: for I needed a Ted to rescue me there.
2: <laughs> I just, I, I, it's like mid, it's one in the morning here and there's a young girl that sleeps in the room downstairs. So I, I really didn't want to wake her up with uh, my full Rick Astley.
1: <laughs> but just know they're never going to give you up. They're never going to let you down.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and with that, Sheila has Rickrolled the podcast. <laughs>
1: Don't take
0: away my stamps. Do, do you want to know a fun
2: fact about the uh, the Rick Astley uh, sort of cameo in, in in the show? Please. So at the end of the episode, at the end of the episode, uh, Hannah Waddingham, Rebecca, I should say, Rebecca's mum says, "That's not Rick Astley," and that actually was what happened to Rick Astley. funnily enough, so he used to send his tape out when he was trying to get signed um, to record labels in England, and they would always write back when they when they met him in person. They're like, "We love your voice, but you know, where's the guy that's singing this?" Because you aren't a a black man
1: (laughs) that is amazing
0: yeah so that's where i came from as a fairly sheltered youth when this song first came out i i kind of assumed rick astley was not caucasian it was only when i saw him like on a a parade or something (laughs) oh i saw
1: him on mtv all the time i was like he's a white dude (laughs) yeah
0: right yeah what's that's what's up with that
1: and can i just say i'm gonna go see rick astley in concert with new kids on the block next june i'm so excited
2: I've seen New Kids on the Block; they're great.
1: I can't wait. I've never seen them in concert, and I'm of the age, you know, I really appreciates New Kids on the Block. So, but Rick Astley is part of the mixtape tour as well as Salt and Pepper. So, I'm excited.
0: Caroline has actually been to New Kids because I think it was the tour when they were actually New Kids and Backstreet Boys on the same tour.
2: That's the tour I went to. Yeah, the the BSB NKOB. N-O-T-B. N-O-T-B. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, that was the weirdest uh, gig I think I've ever been to in my life. But I've seen Backstreet Boys twice. But hey ho. Anyway, I'm showing some weird sides of me
1: here. I'm showing some <laughs> and weird we got a sides. In sync, you know, sort of appearance this season too with the uh, the Bye 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 dance routine. They're very yeah. heavy on the pop culture again this season. There was a lot of the Morissette, Set who went on tour this summer uh, with the Jagged Little Pill 25th anniversary. <laughs> can't believe it's 25 years, um, tour. And uh, yeah, there was a couple of like, Alanis moments in this season as well. Like Nora, her niece is listening to Alanis in the beginning. And then uh, Ted gives the, the little, you live, you learn. Thank you, Alanis, line.
0: The dance routine, I think, might have been the, the straw that broke Nate's camel's back. Taking the position that they're in of, of possibly getting promoted and spending the time on, on a dance routine might have been it. Just the timing of it all just seemed like having to deal with, put up with that silliness in light of what they were were up against.
2: I will just ask one question about Nate before I maybe stop talking about him is have, have you ever, either of you been in your life angry that someone has torn a sign before? Because I have. When he, when he tore the believe sign, I've never been angry about someone tearing up a piece of paper before until I saw that episode. I was, I was fuming.
1: I mean, I don't have like a specific memory, but I mean, there's been property and things like that have been damaged that, you know, personal property or like work property. There's work property that I'm thinking of that like I had a a blood drive sign. I used to be a blood drive recruiter uh, Mm. back in the day and someone had graffitied one of my signs saying that we were um, uh, discriminatory in our practices I I am your ally. <laughs> do you not understand? So it was just, it was yeah. So I I do have a specific moment that made me very angry, and seeing that this moment made me incensed.
0: Nate's whole slide, just I mean, Ted gave him his chance. All the other establishment types that had ever existed around him only pegged him as a guy capable, the right? The putting uh, putting their mm. their their. Their shoes back and their or boots, if you will, and their equipment back. And that was it. No matter what he, what he could draw up on a chalkboard, it didn't matter to them. Ted gave him the chance. Ted saw what no one else who had been in European football his whole life had, had, could see. I don't know. He, he like Darth Vader's out on him. <laughs> you know?
1: Well, he really took some very important points the wrong way. You know, he thought that Ted running his play was a way to set him up for failure. So that this way he can be blamed when they they failed, accusing Ted of not valuing the picture that he gave of the two of them. Meanwhile, it was what he was looking at when he was having the panic attack, like trying to it was on his desk next to his picture of his son. So it wasn't a place of honor, it just wasn't in his office. And Nate took that as a slight. So I'm thinking that there was somebody maybe in Nate's ear all along, and it might have been Rupert. I'm I'm kind of like spitballing is maybe what we see in the, the flashbacks mm-hmm. in season three to season two so, because he didn't just turn up at West Ham where Rupert bought this new club so there had to be some sort of interplay between these two and possibly Rupert infecting him in his sort of evil villain transformation mm. how's that for a season three prediction?
0: the worm tongue to his Theoden oh. sure <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Lord of the Rings fans out there,
2: <laughs> I'm trying to read Dune at the moment. Like, feel for me. Oh my That's, God!
1: Why? Why are you doing that to yourself? I got I to like chapter kind of, six and I couldn't. Was,
2: I, I must hate myself. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I saw new kids on the block and Backstreet Boys in the same gig. I must hate myself a little bit. <laughs>
0: I'm not going to tell you how to like things, Scott. You can like whatever you want to like.
1: I send you. I send you powerful vibes to continue through Dune. Are we talking about Dune or Ted Lasso? What are we talking?
0: Well, about? let's let's finish up our talk about uh, about Ted Lasso. That's a good call, Sheila. Um, so again, just to sum up, we we pretty much recommend season two. There's a depth to it that wasn't. It's not that it's exactly missing. It's just more like season one was establishing the characters and giving them a solid groundwork to then make these kinds of transformations more believable although some were were less awesome as fans of the show than than others but uh, but still second season lived up to to form i don't know what awards we can expect it to win if any next go around um but uh yeah i think this is still worth people's time what about you scott
2: I would definitely say it's still worth watching as long as you're open to the concept that a show can grow. If you think a show should remain exactly the same for its length of time, then maybe season two isn't for you because it's not the same as season one. But if you like the characters in season one and want to see them grow into better characters or different characters, then season two is for you.
1: I agree with Scott. This was not the, the the plate that got served up for season one. And season two just drew these characters in a completely different light that you were invested in them from season one. So you were along for the ride. And I thought the payoff was really good. I thought it set up a lot of dramatic tension so that this way it's it sets up really nice for season three. You've got stories that need to be spread out and told and and loose ends finished up in order to you know see where these characters go I don't know if how much longevity it has passed to season three I don't know what the rules are at Apple TV but I definitely recommend this as as people who enjoyed it for season one in the time that it was last year and the fact that it's evolving makes this show fresh and it makes it something that I want to tune into so for that I definitely
0: love it keep watching folks and hopefully we'll get some resolution come next season cuz i agree Sheila i don't know that i need 7 seasons of, of ted last so this might be a nice sweet little 3 season kind of kind of show there are no rules yet as far as uh, apple tv's concerned With this season they just ordered up two bottle episodes out of nowhere and just made it happen <laughs> you know so they're making it up as they go along over there i think
1: I do have to say that Ted Lasso is the reason why I've kept my Apple TV subscription. I'm not going to be mm-hmm. shamed into admitting anything different, but the content that I am seeing coming out from Apple definitely has me intrigued. The problem with Jon Stewart, I tuned into the first episode. I've watched the first season of Truth Be Told with Octavia Spencer. I'm like, Octavia Spencer, sign me up. The the way in which she podcasts is completely false. She just sits in her dining room table. I'm in a hovel in my house <laughs> under like blankets. <laughs> things. <laughs> it's not realistic, but the, the story is really good. And I don't hear many people talking about it, but it's a really good story. I really like season one. I'm halfway through season two because it's a one episode a week drop. So it's about halfway through, maybe a little more than halfway through season two of that. So I'm fine. There's another one foundation that looks really good coming out in the, the shrink next door. There's a bunch of things in watching Ted Lasso that they were previewing that I'm like, all right, I'm going to keep you a lot around for a little bit longer. Apple TV, because it's the little streaming service that could because it it's it really does fly under the radar and Ted Lasso is really it's it's sort of standout. So I'm hoping that they're adding content that will keep this going and keep it growing because some of this stuff is really good on Apple T V and it just doesn't get the attention that it should.
0: Oh I agree. This was the twentieth anniversary of uh nine eleven horrible event in American History And so there were a ton of specials that came out on all the different channels. After a while, they all start to kind of look the same, but the one that Apple produced actually interviewed George Bush and Dick Cheney and Condoleezza Rice and several of the um, uh, reporters that were on Air Force One that day and just every big name that you can think of that had a hand on that day in terms of like ultimate decision-making power and all that kind of stuff was, was in that one and they weren't in anybody else's. And so that's the one we ultimately decided to to spend our time on this year is sort of like a, just a reminding.
1: I live in New York. I was in New York city on that day and I just cannot bring myself to, to kind of watch any of these things, even 20 years later, I still haven't been to ground zero and I work 10 minutes away from there.
0: It's heavy. It's heavy yeah. for sure, but they did a an, a very even-handed job. I think they didn't. They they were just there to to interview those car those not characters but individuals, and and tell us what was going through their heads on that day. And then they weren't trying. I don't. I didn't get the sense they were trying to slant it or make you feel one way or the other about a journalistic. Tell us what happened that day. You were there, kind of thing. And they did a and they did a, a good even-handed job with it. There's been. I liked the the Tom Hanks movie, the Navy movie, the Greyhound. Oh,
1: Greyhound. Yeah, that was good.
0: I mean, it didn't set the world on fire in terms of like new, I don't know, a new story or a new take on naval warfare in the movie, but it was capably made. And uh, if you are into that kind of movie, it, it... It's great, you know, (laughs) watching World War II uh, destroyers do their thing. Um, I enjoyed it a lot, and I'd probably watch it again. I liked uh, Palmer with uh, Justin Timberlake, and um, Juno Temple was in that one momentarily. Um, So generally, I like what I get. We've watched all of uh, For All Mankind alternate yes. history of the moon landing but i did watch servant and that that was freaky that was uh that fulfilled my freakiness quotient uh, <laughs> for, for the front of that that show so yeah I, I would also advise if you got six bucks extra a month you could do a, a lot worse than than spending it on apple tv
2: i know the foundation sci-fi show just room renewed for another season
0: really i have not read the books i know that there's a lot of foundation books for them to work from
2: I haven't bothered with the books or the show, truth be told. I I was reading it on Twitter the other day. I just just knew.
0: It's definitely like far future humanity kind of stuff. You know, like we've already colonized the stars kind of stuff. So it's like way, way out there in terms of uh, where where they are in the human timeline based off of kind of old science fiction books. So they're Asimov's books. And so they've got kind of a different approach to science fiction and storytelling than maybe more modern books would have i know that i've tried at least one of his older books and i was like well this is okay but i'm not sure why people are so excited about it um (laughs) so so, uh, but maybe that was just me anyway this was the our coverage for um the second season of ted lasso scott from the spy hearts podcast where can people find you and your podcast well for spies we're exceedingly easy to find
2: we are everywhere at spyhards that's s-p-y-h-a-r-d-s basically any social media app a platform you can think of you can find us at that name we just dropped our no time to die uh non-spoiler and spoiler reviews so if you want to hear a bit more about the latest bond film
0: it's a good place to start i might do that because i am curious about whether or not i should care about this bond in the post pc world that's trying to change things that people already love uh so i'd be interested to see what what your take is scott Uh, i won't i won't spoil the whole
2: thing but in terms of the pc side of things the film gets away without really having any problem with that oh okay all right
1: okay I'll have to tune in and see as well if this is worth my time to brave the movie theaters. <laughs> it is the
2: longest Bond film ever made. So, is yeah, it really? Yes, it's, probably, ah. yeah, it's, it's the, officially the longest.
0: Subscribe to them on anywhere you find them. Um, I think I subscribe on YouTube and iTunes.
2: Yeah, we upload everything on YouTube as well on video. But basically, anywhere you get your podcast, just search for Spy Hearts and
0: we'll be there. And what about you, Sheila? If someone wanted to correspond with Sheila, how would they do that?
1: I'm on Twitter at shields my and you can reach me through Pod Clubhouse if you're so inclined. <laughs> they know how to find me, <laughs> and I've been on a hundred of these, so you know I'm somewhere in the in the lexicon, the galaxy of you know Pod Clubhouse podcasts.
0: Well, and you're right next to what hopefully should be the premiere of Yellowstone, the return of Kevin Costner and gang.
1: Yes, you will definitely find myself and Steph for episode by episode coverage of that. And you can go back and listen to all three seasons at Pod Clubhouse on all the things.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, with that, I am Paul with Pod Clubhouse and uh, that'll do it. Thanks a lot.
2: Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production.